Welcome to Amici, News and Insights from the New York Courts. I'm John Carr, and today I'm pleased to have on the program two guests, Craig Stratton, Case Manager for the Albany County Recovery Court, and Debbie Miller, the Resource Coordinator in the St. Lawrence County Court Felony Drug Treatment Program. Both were recently singled out by Chief Judge Janet DeFiore for their Herculean efforts to keep drug courts up and running during the pandemic. Craig, Debbie, thank you for coming on the program. And thanks for all you do to keep these vital programs vibrant and effective during this pandemic. Now, addiction is not something where you can hit the pause button and wait it out while the world waits for a deadly pandemic to pass. And the chief judge specifically referenced Craig's, and I quote, determination and ingenuity, close quote, and actually quoted Debbie, who said, drug courts refused to abandon the people we serve. Craig, let's start with you. What exactly is the Albany County Recovery Court? Um, John, first I want to say thank you for having me um, on this cast. I really appreciate it. So the Albany County um, Drug Court, or we call it also uh, Albany County Recovery Court, is basically um, an alternative to incarceration for for individuals who have substance use disorders. Um, Also has uh, actually, you know, obviously pending charges in in the criminal justice system. Um, and what we do is we try to provide alternatives to incarceration opposed to individuals who have substance use disorders going uh, into custody like prison or jail, um, depending on what the crime they're um, charged with. And so our, our job is to link those uh, appropriate individuals to substance use counseling or any additional counseling that they may need in order to um, help them really uh, live uh, vibrant and I would say productive lives, you know, um, it's more of a the healing process. So I would say that's, that's what we do in a nutshell. Uh, we do a lot of other things as well. Uh, we deal with a lot of veterans, uh, DWIs, uh, a lot of different things and trying to provide uh, some assistance and, and uh, you know, some motivation for them to start to do different things with their lives. Now, how long has the uh, recovery court been in existence? Um, Albany County uh, Recovery Court itself uh, started in January of 2002. Um, it initially started down the thought in the about the recovery court was started down in Albany City Court, but eventually they moved it up here to the felony uh, Albany County Court. Um, so it was January 2002 that they started this. Now, what 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 do you do as as case manager? What are your what are your duties? My, my job as a case manager is to, one, we monitor individuals. Uh, we link them to resources and services and treatment services. I know Albany County uh, Recovery Court does a lot of intensive case management where we're meeting with our clients on a regular basis. We're doing drug screens. Uh, we're getting updates on uh, any assistance that they may need uh, during this process, uh, documentation, uh, you know, just consistently following them through and making sure they're in compliance with the guidelines of drug court. I see. Uh, Debbie, tell me about your program in St. Lawrence County. Uh, what is it? What do you do? And and how is it similar? How is it different from what Craig does in, in Albany? Well, um, thank you very much for uh, having me on your program. Um, and I'm delighted to be here with Craig as well um, and hear what other drug courts are doing. Um, I am the resource coordinator for the St. Lawrence County Judicial Diversion Program, which is a felony drug treatment court um, 
that was based on the Rockefeller reform. Um, and I'm also the resource coordinator for the Ogdensburg City Drug Treatment Court, which is a misdemeanor court. Um, both courts are very similar in that we offer resources. We connect our participants with necessary resources um, to help them in their recovery from addiction, mental health, um, and assorted other issues. Uh, we help people to get reunited with their families, bring families back together, um, and we have a very intense monitoring program, as, as Craig already mentioned. Um, uh, what I'd really like to say is that this really is a coordinated effort. We cannot do this without the outside resources that we have, um, the probation departments, treatment programs, mental health programs, um, the Department of Social Services. We connect with all of those programs so that we can in turn connect our participants with those programs to help them in their recovery. Now you mentioned the Rockefeller reforms and I think what you're referring to are the Rockefeller drug laws that for I don't know 25 years or so had a attitude of uh, in drug cases uh, lock them up and throw away the key which I think was uh, I think we would agree was historically ineffective. And uh, so, so, so th th this is perhaps a smarter way to approach that problem, Debbie? <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And, you know, I do think that it's effective in so many ways. Um, and I think that COVID helped us to realize that more than ever, our participants were able to see that this really is a non-adversarial um, program that really does help them to find the resources they need so that they can engage in recovery and make the changes necessary to stay out of prison. Now, you mentioned the pandemic, so let, let's go there. Uh, so in, I guess, mid-March of 2020, the Earth fell off its axis and the world as we know it uh, kind of ceased to exist. And so I'd like to ask each of you how you were able to keep this program intact. As I said at the beginning, uh, addiction is not something where you can say, well, don't be addicted for a year, we'll get back to you later. Craig, why don't you, why don't you start with that? Okay, <clears throat> thank you. Uh, so COVID, and as we all know, was just a totally unprecedented situation for, for everyone, um, particularly for, for drug courts or we say problem-solving courts because we were so accustomed to, uh, you know, monitoring individuals and seeing them face-to-face -to, -face to see how they're doing. Um, and then one day they said, okay, tomorrow you don't come back to the office. So it was like a matter of in 24 hours trying to scramble around how we're going to do this. How do we connect with our clients? Uh, so the, the first, my first order of business was to try to connect with our team to come up with a plan. So my, my thing is because I, I do teach part-time at one of the local colleges and I'm, I'm familiar with distance learning. So my goal was to connect with my team first to come up with a plan. So I was familiar with Zoom. So I said, well, let's do a Zoom, you know, create a Zoom account, which I did, um, not using the court equipment or anything like that, using a personal device um, to get my judge and the DA and the attorney and the rest of my um, colleagues here in the drug court office to get connected so we can start problem solving uh, how we connect with our clients. So that was the first order of, of business. Um, and then 
within that 24 hour period, trying to reach out to all of our clients, even one by one saying, listen, I need email addresses and phone numbers because remember when this first happened, everyone didn't have remote access. So everybody was home. We had to scramble around fairly quickly. So we got email addresses for clients, phone numbers, so we can have a regular contact and coach them in the use of Zoom or even Skype because it was Skype at that time before you went into Microsoft Teams. So that was my first order of business when uh, we were first informed of, of the lockdown. Now, Debbie, uh, Craig mentioned the access to justice issue and the fact that not everyone has a computer or a smartphone or, you know, in some of the areas in your county, uh, Internet access alone can be a little bit of a challenge. So what, what were the challenges that you particularly uh, dealt with during this uh, pandemic of providing uh, service to people that you could not serve face-to-face -face and maybe you didn't have quite the access, the uh, digital access that, that Craig has? Well, um, we, we had very similar things going on here. Um, St. Lawrence County is one of the largest counties in New York State. Um, however, we reached out to each of our participants individually by telephone um, in any, you know, we, we tried to reach out to them in any way possible, but thank goodness most of them do have smartphones. Um, we were able to connect with them. Probation and I got right to work as soon as we were told we needed to go home. We knew that addiction does not stop here. And when people are faced with this type of a challenge, this was scary for us. So, you know, I can't imagine going home and not being able to reach out to the people that we were usually connected with and used for support. Um, so we knew that going in and um, probation and I made every effort to contact each participant on a regular basis, sometimes daily basis for those that needed it. Um, we had to teach them how to use the technology and uh, that worked out to our benefit. Um, we used Skype as we were able to reach out to them and get them set up with the Skype. Um, we did Skype sessions twice a week um, for our groups. So we had two groups and um, it, it turned out to be, I think, an exceptional piece and that we're coming together. It sounds to me like you both uh, deserve a need of vacation. Um, <laughs> but what, what have we learned during the pandemic that we can carry forward so that are there, are there practices we've developed that uh, can and should continue uh, once this pandemic goes away, assuming it is going to go away? Yeah, I think, um, and, it's, and thank you, Debbie, for, for what you had relayed, because I, I just wanted to go into something real quick about the, you know, the addiction piece of it and us scrambling around trying to connect with our clients, because we know that isolation uh, for our, our clients is, is, is detrimental, you know, for, for those who suffer from substance use disorders. So that was like the added motivation to connect with our clients because it, it is it is real dangerous you know for them to be especially when you come in and you got new people who have no clue of the structure of drug court they're just playing in and then all of a sudden we get shut down so we were scrambling around making those phone calls um, teaching them how to use the technology even by phone through email 
Um, so we, we did a lot of what we say problem solving because we are a problem solving court. So it, it was it was very, very um, motivating and, and it was inspired by a lot of what was going on. A lot of the challenges, um, the significant challenges around this, but we were able to weather the storm. Um, I think there were some benefits over the past a year and a half to, you know, the remote um, connection with our clients because they're, you know, we used to have those clients that couldn't come to court or they were late for court or, you know, they, they lived in certain areas that they didn't have really, you know, access. So especially with our DWI participants who were not allowed to drive. So, you know, that initially already created a problem, but the, the use of remote connections to our individuals, we found that they've been so much more engaged, you know, through, uh, you know, through Skype or Microsoft Teams, or if it was Zoom during the time when we first started, they had been so much more engaged, especially with the judge and even with our case managers. So um, it has been a, a benefit you know, in a lot in the process, all of us learned. You know, there. You know, we, we assume that all staff and everybody knows about this technology. All of us learned something in the process, which was was which was great. You know, um, and our clients were appreciative because they learned in the process. And and you know, luckily for our, we didn't lose a lot of people in this process. Um, a lot of people stayed connected. Uh, those who were supposed to and committed. So, um, I think moving forward, um, this. This tool that we have, we call technology, is great, you know, to connect with people where there was a time we had to, you know, get in our cars and go somewhere and, and you know, have a meeting. I think that this pandemic has shown a lot and it's taught, taught many of us a lot, you know, in the process. You know, your, your region includes, of course, the city of Albany, a city of, I don't know, roughly 100,000 people. But you mm -hmm. also have uh, regions, you know, down in the hill towns and in, in the... Mm -hmm outer portions of the county that are every bit as remote, every bit as rural as anything in Debbie's County. So the, so, so there's some, it seem to be some parallels here between what you are facing and what Debbie, Debbie doesn't have a city of that size in her territory, but she, she's got towns, villages, uh, and, and a whole lot of uh, remote <clears throat> space. So Debbie, uh, same question for you. What, what, what have you learned during the pandemic that you're gonna keep doing uh, once the pandemic has is, is, uh, finally left us? Well, I really think that this helped our program as a whole come together. When we had the Skype sessions, I opened that up later on for our entire treatment team to participate with that. And this was a way that we came together as a whole in a way that we that had never been done before. So in a regular drug court session, our participants come into drug court, we hear the cases and they leave, they have interaction with the judge. So our participants rarely have had the end, as, as well as our teammate, um, team treatment team members, have rarely had the opportunity to participate with our participants in the manner that we did. So not only did they get a glimpse our treatment team members got a glimpse into our participants lives but our participants also got to see a part of our treatment team members that they had not been afforded before um, and i think that brought a whole different um, realm of camaraderie and um, 
our participants got to change their perspective about the judicial system as a whole because they really got to experience that non-adversarial approach and the fact that there is real true compassion about them. There is someone there that cares about them. And I think that this, this situation we were put in through COVID, I think really drove that home for many of them. And I think that really prevented a lot of relapses and a lot of death because they knew there is somebody there always on the other side. Absolutely. Hmm. I agree. So it sounds like you guys are proving that adage that a crisis is an opportunity. Yes. Absolutely, yes. Debbie, Craig, thank you so much for all that you did and do, and, and uh, thank you for coming on the program. And I know you've got fires to put out and, and uh, people to say as well. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you get back to, your, uh, back to your work. Thank you again. Thank you both, and thank you for giving us this opportunity to give Drug Court a voice. I think it's a program that is often underutilized and unheard. So, so thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. And Craig, kudos to you and your team and, and to your participants and to all drug courts out there. Thank you, Deb, and keep up the great work that you're doing.